from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. Tuesday, November 5th, 2019. You're listening to Relevant Podcast. I'm your host over in Paris, France, Tyler Huckabee. I've got a cold today, but I, I couldn't turn down a chance to talk to my favorite people in the whole entire world. For example, back over there, stateside in Orlando, Florida, uh, our producer over on the ones and twos, the illustrious Chandler Strang. Hello. Also, keeping an eye on Chandler, his uh, his bodyguard, his teacher, his sensei uh, over there in Orlando, Florida, is John David Harris. How you doing, JD? Greetings. I'm doing well. <laughs> and out in Loveland, Virginia, we're always glad to have Jesse Carey back on the podcast. How's it going, Jesse? Hello, hello. Not too bad. <laughs> and out there on the West Coast, joining us once again, it's Propaganda. Hey, Prop. West, West. What up? <laughs> We've got a great show coming at you today. Scott Avett is going to be joining us to talk about the Avett Brothers' brand new album, Closer Than Together. But uh, we also, uh, before we get to that, I, I think, Prop, did you give us, is this an exclusive scoop that you, that you or is this, or were we just not paying attention? Uh, what's out there. What's going to hurt your feelings the least? Um, well, well, you already said some hurtful things to me that we'll address in a minute. Okay, but. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is not that exclusive. <laughs> yeah, um, we've put it out on the interwebs. Me and Derek Meyer did kind of like a Dre and Snoop kind of situation where he did all the production. I did all the rapping. So we got a record, yeah, November 15th, next Friday. Nothing by, but a by work. Comparing it to, by comparing it to Dre and Snoop, you've set the bar, I think, at a very reasonable level. Okay, well, yeah, you know, <laughs> nothing but a classic. <laughs> yes. Now, I, I have, I, I've listened to uh, the, 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 especially like the first single really captures the West Coast vibe. And yeah. I was, and the first single is called Dope. And yes. the day it came out, I was listening to it. And I was like, I got to share this with our readers. And yes. I posted it on the website. And then I proceeded to tweet it to all of our our, our quarter million uh, Twitter followers out there. And I said, the, the relevant army. And I said, I said, check out the, the new song from Prof and Derek Minor. It lives up to its name. This song is called Dope. And yes. before we start recording, Prop, <laughs> Prop noted, I saw that it was really cutesy and on the nose. I figured that was a Jesse tweet, not a Tyler tweet. That's he's like if it was subversive <laughs> and smart, it was probably Tyler. But okay, this is quite the editorializing of my words. Okay. That's the record straight here. This Rest is the gist. That's the record he said, straight. He said, "Hey, you, did you catch that? Did you catch my little play on words there? This is dope." And I was like, "Yeah, I caught that, man. Thank you." I was like, "I knew that was a Jesse tweet." And then for which Tyler says, hey, you know, a lot of times people think something funny and cute that they always give it to Tyler. But a lot of, or to Jesse, a lot of times it's me, though. This is Tyler speaking. <laughs> I said, I can tell the difference between the two. And then I proceeded to explain a very non-dualistic, non-binary <laughs> worldview that would say that if something's a little more like kind of funny and on the nose, you know, kind of cute and on the nose, that's Jesse. If it's something's a little more subversive and clever, it's probably Tyler. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I don't feel 
uh, I don't feel shamed. I don't feel like myself. Um, yeah, I'm glad There's you feel that There's nothing wrong way. with being on the nose. We need <laughs> both types. You and me, we're the yin and the yang, man. It's, it's, this is important. <laughs> Listen, this some, is a- some people have to be the CBS How I Met Your Mother time. <laughs> but, um, you know other people get to be hbo prestige guess who gets more viewers at the end of the day okay popular shows on tv hey man you guys you guys love and always add to your podcast these just like super like amazing clever talented like artists for your bumper music that nobody's heard of right so and sure. we can't sure. be mad at that it's like there's a world for that you know that 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 there and then there's you know there's taylor swift where it's just like at the end of the day she's on the nose but mm-hmm. she, that's a lot of noses she's on yeah you understand what i'm saying a lot more <laughs> noses than i am this, this is a great analogy exactly yes. i mean you're basically calling me the mike and molly of <laughs> joke writers but you know what <laughs> mike and molly seem to be doing just fine exactly. another show about a delivery person yeah, we can't all be royal tenon bombs. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you know, uh-huh. I'm sorry, uh-huh. I'm not secession, and that I'm that I'm NCIS Navy edition, but that show still kills. Okay, You're right. no pun intended. All those CIS shows, whatever, people are still digging them because they're on the nose. You got to murder a gruesome one, and guess what? They're going to solve it by the end of the episode. I don't need I don't need to be five seasons into Game of Thrones to figure out what the heck's going on. Okay, I'm here to help. I'm here. I help. You are defending a position that no one's attacking. We are yeah. all staying. It's hot. I am hot right now. Prop, <laughs> yes. I do have something else to ask you about yes. that I saw on Twitter. Okay. You Because I don't know if you got to listen to our most recent episode, but Chandler, uh, Chandler's been going through a lot. <laughs> he's got a lot we were gonna set up a gofundme for him he's gonna he's stated a little rough patch in his life his car got towed um and it's really derailed him he, he wanted to just kind of stop coming into work and start up a new life without a car um but you recently i saw on twitter that you recently did some some car maintenance and it seems yes. to give you some trouble tell us oh, exactly Lord. what happened oh, no. so here's the thing i first of all like uh, there's baggage over understandings yeah. of masculinity and just like you're supposed to work on cars and be a gearhead. I was never interested in yeah. cars. I just yeah. didn't find this, you know, and then whenever I tried to do it, I was like, it's dirty. This is confusing. There's too many, mo- too much can go wrong. This is not relaxing. Like I don't find this fun. So I also don't find spending money fun. So I thought to myself, all I need to do is change my headlight. I've, yep. changed that. I've changed my tail light before. You just pop the thing out, put it in. It's 10 bucks. I was like, I could do that. I'm not going to get somebody else to do this. Right. Yeah. So, so I popped the hood and I'm already like, all right, let's, let's figure this out. So it's just got two little latches. You could see the latches. I was like, all right, fair enough. But first, obviously I unscrewed all these other things thinking I was supposed to do that first. Then I was like, oh, it's just these little latches. So I lift the latches Read, I read my owner's manual. I lift the latches and the light, the headlight's just supposed to pop out. But you lift the latches okay. and it's not popping out. And I'm like, this is so ridiculous. These are the directions. Why is it not working? I am doing exactly. And it's just like, it just got to me so deeply because I was like, oh, look at YouTube. Oh, 
you know, real men change their oil. I ain't never changed my oil ever in my life. It's a guy <laughs> down the street that'll do it for $20. What's the difference? So that's what he like. He liked doing it. So I'm gonna let him do it. Right. So exactly. I'm pulling the thing. Exactly. I'm pulling the thing and I'm just so frustrated because I'm like, you telling me this is easy. This is so complicated. It should not be this hard. And I'm just frustrated in general that it shouldn't be this hard. So I had to walk away from it. I come (laughs) back and I'm just like, this is so stupid. So and then I just pull once and it pops out. (laughs) I hate I hate this. I was here for 20 minutes trying to do this. This is so it's like it's like the car is teasing you. It's it's teasing you. It is. It's it's that's why I don't do any maintenance thing to any vehicular around yes. the house. Like no. I, I don't even want to like even if it's like changing a wheel off of lawnmower. It's like this is the height of arrogance. The thing yes. I can do a lawnmower repair person's job better than they can. I have this no experience in that. Yes, exactly. They do this. They replace these wheels all day, you yeah. know? Yeah, JD, I feel, like, I feel like you might be. Did, did you were you raised in a household where you learned how to handle handle a car? A little bit, yeah. And it was more of one of those scenarios where I got my dad's old hand me down, and I just had to learn every time a new thing broke. It was sure. like it was you know you'd you'd be driving, and then all of a sudden everything's overheating, and you're like, why is it overheating? And then you take it to the place and like, ah, oh, your fan belt's broken. Like, oh, my fan belt's broke. Or like, you're driving around, all of a sudden you take a turn and you hear click, 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 and you're like, oh, well that's obviously your CV joint. I'm like, what the heck is that? And so you, you learn like all these weird little things to where now after having like 20 years of experiencing breaking cars, when someone's like, my car is doing this, I'm like, oh yeah, I've had that one before. Oh, really? Yes. So you're the guy. You're that guy who, like, if I go up and I'm like, oh, man, the car, I, I was making a brr, brr, noise. You could be like, oh, I'll tell you what that is right there. You got, you got I mean, a problem with your... The, the only the only reason I want to learn those skills isn't really to save money or time. Look, I mean, yeah, that's obviously the benefit. I don't want to be shamed by these, that's the thing. By these that's, judgy yeah. mechanics. Oh, like, yeah, no, that's the worst. Not only that, or shamed by your Twitter followers that are like, you could just look on YouTube. Hey, you think I ain't thought about that? You think I ain't thought about that? You think I don't know this car come with a book? You think yeah. I didn't know that? You think I ain't smart enough to look at the book? Those books are horrible too, because that's the joke, like, right? Because there's all there's always been that old saying, like, the Bible, it's like the car manual for your life. And you're like, Yeah, have you ever freaking read a car manual? Yeah. They're terrible. Yeah, they that? don't tell you anything what to do. They're all disorganized. You try to look headlight and you're like, I don't even know, because they have all it's like not even numbered correctly. They're all in like weird categories. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, then it, and so I bananas. go to light and it's all, this is how you switch it on. I'm like, Hey, right, here's yeah. the thing. <laughs> I know how to turn the headlight on. I picked that part. <laughs> yeah. I picked that part up. <laughs> you know, the problem is it's not turning on. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the issue. And yeah. So it's the shaming of other dudes. Yep. Number one, that are just like, Oh man, you're not a real man. I'd even did. So in college, I dated a, a young lady who's, all of her brothers were, they were all gearheads. Like her dad worked on big rigs during the day and then came home and went straight to the garage to work on his like trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, they were just gear dudes. And I just remember being like, yo, I'm gonna go watch basketball. And I would just go inside while y'all bonding my in-laws <laughs> right now. Like yeah. my, my father-in-law works on heavy machinery. Yeah. Right. And 
So my brother-in-law, my wife's sister's husband, like he's got this like off-road thing and they bond and they're outside working on the thing, drink, you know, drink Corona's, join themselves. And since they don't read really, my brother-in-law's English ain't that good either. Wait, wait, wait a second. Gearheads who sit around and drink Corona's. Was this the family from Fast and Furious? Were you dating Michelle Rodriguez? <laughs> it could be. Could be. It could be. I mean, she's in Los Angeles. But uh yeah, so they're just, they're just bonding. And it's my father in law don't speak a lot of English anyway. Like he would be like, I'm trying to bond with the with with my wife's family and and he's like, hey, can you pass me this? And he don't know how to say the, the tool in, in English. And I, and even if he said it in English, I wouldn't know what he was talking about anyway. <laughs> 50, you know 50, I would know. So it's 50-50. So then finally, they're just like, hey, can you just, can you just go get us more beers? Right? So, then I'm just, so I'm like, you know what? This is emasculating. I don't need to keep doing this. I'm just going to go inside right now and watch the kids. Yeah, that's like, you know, when, when anyone asks me something like, do you even know how to change a tire? My answer is always the same. In theory, yes. Okay? So just lay off. Conceptually, I know you got to lift it. I know it's got to come off. And I know no one's got to come on. But, you know, I didn't go to tire school. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> my degree is not in tires. Okay? Like, there are other people who are good at this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep the workforce stimulated out here. Like I yeah, said, I... I'm not prideful enough to think I can do the job better than, than you know, Thank someone who's basically gonna, works in a I'm gonna NASCAR say I'm going to say it's a little controversial. This is going to be a little, this is a little off brand for me even, because this is going to sound, it's going to sound like, uh, uh, well, it just helped me understand this here. I do feel like of all the car things and I'm a car idiot, like all of us here, uh, well, except for JD, I'm a car idiot, like, like a few of us here, but I can, but I can change a tire. If I can change a tire. Goes tire. Out, I can change yeah. a tire. Jesse, do you not in, know? In theory, in theory, I can change a tire. <laughs> Okay. Have you so ever have you ever have you ever changed on. the tire buyers? <laughs> let's just move on. I said in theory, I can change a tire. That that I can do. I can change a tire, and apparently, I can change a headlight. So yeah, yeah. It took you two yeah. took you two tries, but you got there. Yes. Right. So, I feel like it's one of those scenarios. Like, look, let's make a deal. How about like you don't make fun of me for not knowing how to like change out the solenoid or something and i won't make fun of you for not knowing how to reset your password on hotmail that's a good plan that's a good yeah that feels that feels yeah the boomers can keep fixing the cars for us and yeah. uh we'll keep re- we'll keep figuring out what's wrong with their wi-fi router and we'll show you how to make the text on your iphone somehow even bigger yeah. <laughs> 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 tired dad Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back slices you're listening to now i'm in it by heim heim at the beginning of the podcast you heard it might be time by tim impala it might be time to learn how to change a tire on your car. <laughs> like I said, right. in theory, this is not a problem, Tyler. <laughs> now it's time for our, our look back at the news of the week. It's time for Slices. Okay, what do you got, John David? Okay, have any of you ever misplaced something um, that you were really surprised that you misplaced? Um, um, 
Like, I, like you mean something really valuable that valuable, seems like I would keep a good eye on it right. every single day of my life? <laughs> I know I had my car keys or my wallet. I'm they like, pop- and there's a, there's a designated place for it. And then when I go to the place and it's not there, I'm just so mad at myself. Right. That's the one, right? That's the one that gets yeah. you is like when you have your routine. I'm a, I'm a very routine individual when it comes to those things like my wallet, my keys, even my glass. They're all, they have their spots. Now they might be yeah. scattered around the house, but they're, <laughs> they're there. And so when they're not there, it's very strange. Uh, well, the uh, Forest Service Rangers in Prescott National Forest in Arizona had a similar problem when a this uh, a month ago a one ton boulder nicknamed the Wizard Rock disappeared. Just oh word, vanished. <laughs> it just it's vanished. It was it's near one of the highways, so it's easy for uh, people to see it as they're driving by, and um, all of a sudden it became it started. To, they got phone calls and, hey, what'd you do with Wizard Rock? What happened to Wizard Rock? And then went out there to investigate and it was nowhere to be found. There was no markings of any kind of any heavy machinery or anything. And it seemed very gently just just vanished. Well, that alone is weird enough. But it is also weird that just last Friday, the rock reappeared. Oh, <laughs> so the rock is back. Wait, uh. The wizard rock is now returned. And the uh, National Forest Service has issued a response basically saying, uh, we are appreciative that whoever returned the rock, even though we're not sure how they took it or even returned it in the first place, we're glad that they did. And just a reminder that removing uh, minerals from a <laughs> national park is illegal. So please stop stealing our boulders. <laughs> This is some strange happening stuff. Yeah. We should have sat on this one. Do, do, do you guys yes. feel like if you name like a giant boulder wizard rock, at some point it's going to do some cool <laughs> right. wizard trick? You literally asked for it to do something yeah, awesome. Yeah, you kind of asked for that. Yeah. If you call yeah. it a wizard rock. Yeah, so. if it was like well, Jeff's rock or something, it would probably have just sat there the whole time. But like, yeah, the, maybe uh, had a ba- baseball cap on or something. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Gamer rock. Yeah. 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 Like if, if it was Street Magic Cliff or something, I would expect weird stuff to happen. Just be amazed. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah. think this is they, they kind of got what they asked for. Though. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. And I don't. I did a little bit of research, but not a ton. Um, but I'm not sure exactly where the name comes from. It's a it's a giant dark rock with streaks of quartz that go through it. So it's actually a really pretty boulder. So it's kind of like um, shiny. Like it's a, so it, this is a real, it's, it's, it's a, this is a, this is a very, this feels like something that would end up in somebody's like online fanfic about like wizards and unicorns sure, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. wizard this is rock. Like the beginning where you of go to, like that outlander if, show if, or something. If you want, if you bathe under it by moonlight, then you, you live three more years or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's gotta be some kind of weird <laughs> like a curse, secret. Three more years. It's not a under wizard rock. You'll be dead by 35. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a complicated spell. Three years. Okay, it's how a, much it's do you want? Up. You're just bathing under it. Not, I don't want to Jesus juke us, but this does feel like somebody got carried away with the, the go throw yourself into the sea verse of the Bible mm. and it worked. Like they weren't expecting it to. They like tried the Jesus that like, go yourself into the sea and it did. And then they're like, okay, God, now we need to re- to return it because people are Wait, getting weirded out yeah. by this. You have faith. It was not supposed to work. You could tell to this mountain be thou removed. Oh crap. Yeah. He did it. Wait, he did wait, it. Come back. I'm going to mustard seed this thing back. <laughs> yeah. Do me a solid here. God, because the park service is after me now. <laughs> I'm wanted Thank by you the very much, Christ. That is illegal. <laughs> Could you have picked a better analogy that was maybe permissible? <laughs> 
I also thought it was funny that like when it went missing, I mean, there's nothing they could really do about it. So they just kind of treated it like a, like a shoulder shrug. Like when everyone well, what are you like, going to do? A one-ton right, yeah. rock vanishes. Well, it's yeah. just, a boulder like, shrug. Yeah, like they just didn't, I mean, there was no search the for note. it or anything. It was just yeah, a boulder little. boulder shrug. Yeah. <laughs> cutesy and on the nose. I can do it all. I can do it all. Cutesy and on the nose. You're approaching in somebody else's brand here, man. I wear a lot of hats. I wear a lot of hats. I can do it all. Live in every lane. Yeah, what can you do, though? You're right. What can you do? You just get up and you're going, hey, there's a mountain missing. Right. I don't. Uh, I mean, what do we file a report? Like, I don't, what do we, <laughs> who, who are we calling here? Like, what are we looking right, for? Yeah. Yeah. This isn't in the manual. Um, this, yeah. <laughs> not a manual. Yeah. This isn't like changing a headlight here. Right. There's no, no clear, there's no, there's no clear blueprint. You know, you can only really look around. There's no like YouTube to watch no YouTube video on like what to do when your boulder goes missing. Um, but uh yeah no but it is strange to me that they returned it whoever they is uh that's the oddest part like if you're gonna steal a a cool looking boulder and there was like a little bit of a of a an outcry but not like a huge one so it's not like there was this big like my gosh we gotta we gotta return this now or or they'll they'll find us um so yeah it's just a strange thing i I always thought boulders were kind of a finder's keeper situation but i'm glad they did the right i'm glad the wizard who took it did the right thing i have a theory this was a harvest party situation they needed Mm. a boulder for like an empty tomb thing they was like i know where a boulder is what is it go get it harvest party's over yeah (laughs) they they, and then they just blew it back in the church van take it back up there drop it off Look, I I worked in a few churches' creative departments, and there's definitely enough time on your hands to figure out how to <laughs> smuggle out a boulder from a national park yeah. and return it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think the youth pastor spends in all forty hours working on the sermon prep. Yeah, no, no, exactly. <laughs> That sounds like a team building exercise to me. Getting ready for the the, the mission team to head down to Guatemala. Let's see a little yeah. team building. Yeah, 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 the yeah. wizard boulder. And the stone was rolled away. <laughs> all the way back to where it started. Yeah. All right, Jesse, what do you have? All right, I got a, I got a two for um, this one. The first one will be reasonably quick. I want to dig into the second one. Uh, Seth Myers has a new Netflix special coming out this month. And uh, Seth Myers, as anyone who watches this late night show, will know it's pretty political. I mean, it's uh, yeah. him and Colbert arguably gets, have the most... Yeah, they they arguably have the most uh, political late night shows. But what's interesting about uh, his new Netflix stand up special is it's going to contain a skip politics button. So on the screen while you're watching the special, you can that you can hit this button and it'll skip all his political material. And here's is Seth Meyer said it was his own idea. Here's what he told CNN. It said it dawned on me that because it was on Netflix, there would be this opportunity to put in technology that would allow people to skip it. It was a way to build in a response to anyone who would say, oh, let me guess, there's going to be jokes about the president. I I mean, I, I plan on watching Seth Meyers' comedy special. I plan on not skipping any material just because yeah. I don't, I mean, it doesn't bother me. Um, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. And also, what do you guys think about implementing a skip Kanye button on this podcast? Because he's come, up, <laughs> come up almost every episode. And I feel like people are just, people are just over it. We, they idea. got the takes at this point. Rob, what do you think about Seth Meyers' skip politics? I, I, think, uh, I think it's a sad, more commentary on culture. That, like, stuff that just really affects people's lives, like, 
legitimately like they're not concepts it's not politics it's like no it's life and death you know what i'm saying that it's gotten to a place to where it's like not only can we not joke about it you're just like i don't want to hear it so i think the like the the activist in me is like oh it must be nice you can just skip it you know what i'm saying but then the comedian in me is like dang man like then i mean are the jokes gonna make sense like yeah are you gonna be able to like i mean are they threaded together you know what i'm saying but i guess if you want to be able to do that they i heard netflix also did a like a 1.5 speed thing too where you could like watch a show faster and as a content creator i'm like oh i know yeah Yeah. 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 i take i take it the new album isn't going to come with an option for you to skip for me to skip whatever content i want to or to play it just like faster to get through it yeah quicker than i want i think I think I agree. And I, I think I've kind of, I'm of two minds about this. So the first one is there might be the only reason I would see value in it is that honestly comedy about Donald Trump, I don't feel like it's been very good. Uh, I have, we have yet to have like, like SNL's Trump stuff is, is really boring. And it's, it's really, I would, I would call it cutesy and on the nose and it has not for all the, the, the possible like ways you could have like some insightful subversive content about this administration. I don't think a lot of these institutions have done a very good job with the material offered to them. So I don't know that I haven't heard the Meyer special yet. I don't know. Maybe he's got some really great insights. I don't know that I need it in my life. But the other one is I think it's really interesting how much the how how often you hear from from some folks that comedy is dying because people are too yeah. offended nowadays and you, like there's no like all these whiny babies all these SJWs who want to get get away from they don't want to have their fee fees hurt and now it's the the other side that's the first one to offer up this like skip the stuff you may not want to hear skip your the offensive Trump jokes over it and that feels like a reversal of what the narrative the, the dominant narrative is in yeah. society right now but, but prop i think you bring up a good point that i didn't really think about it is sort of a privileged position to say well i'll just yeah. ignore the politics stuff because i don't want to it's yeah. easy for someone in a position uh, of privilege to say that aren't directly affected by the actual politics happening in mm-hmm. washington yeah you know it's gotten to the point where there's such like a double standard with some stuff that, yeah, some people would be like, I don't want to hear jokes about it, but they're not yeah. the ones whose families are being separated. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, all right. I have one more. I wanted, uh, I wanted to play a clip for uh, Chandler. If you can get that ready. Uh, Josh Harris. You guys remember Josh Harris, the author of I Kiss How can I forget? Oh, that guy. How can I forget? He that torpedoed guy. my first ever dating relationship. Yeah, well, <laughs> he damaged a lot of, of, of damaged relationships. Like, how many people were broken up to by their, like, youth group crush just handing them a copy of I Kiss Dating Goodbye? No other words need to be exchanged. Represent this. We're doing a courtship thing, and that's not going to be for, like, five years for now. Uh, he also was a pastor. He famously took to Instagram, um, uh, I guess it was uh, earlier this year. And here, here's what he said. He said, by all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I am not there now. He also added to the LGBTQ plus community, I want to say that I am sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. Uh, so this week he was on the talk show Axios on HBO, and he opened up about his decision uh, uh, you know, as it pertains to leaving the faith, not just not yeah. just renouncing his book, which he did a long time ago. He, he renounced I Kiss Dating Goodbye. Um, 
But he actually said, you know, part of the decision was because he and his wife had decided to end their marriage. And uh, actually, Chandler, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Why don't you play the clip? And then I want to hear your guys' reaction to this. I was really just trying to be honest about the fact that all the ways that I had defined faith and Christianity, that I was no longer choosing to live according to those. Most significantly, the decision that my wife and I made to end our marriage. Some people were angry. A lot of people were angry, understandably. Why understandably? Because I was a leader and a spokesman, and I called people to live in very particular ways, to sacrifice in very particular ways. And so for me to change in my thinking uh, feels like a betrayal to them. You know, Mike, as a pastor, I, I excommunicated people. <laughs> if you're not living according to the teaching of the Bible and you're living in unrepentant sin, then you have to be put out of the church. And I think I came to a point of recognizing, you know what, I'm not living according to this. And I held other people to this standard and, you know, I excommunicated myself essentially. I, what I felt like was interesting about that, and here's what I want to hear your, your, all three of your responses to, because I feel like all three of you guys are probably, um, not probably, are definitely more qualified to talk about spiritual leadership than, than, than me. Um, what I felt like was interesting is the, 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 the reason that he gave there for stepping down as a pastor, not only stepping down as a pastor and renouncing his book, but essentially saying he's leaving the faith was because he didn't feel like he could live to a certain moral standard. What he didn't say is, I found it too hard to believe in God. I, I, I found the Bible unreliable. He didn't, he might, he might mean, he might yeah. uh, uh, believe those sure. things, but that's sure. not what he expressed. Sure. He yeah. said, the reason that I did this was because I felt like I couldn't live to a certain moral standard. That's a really interesting and difficult thing to hear. And I don't really know how best to process it, but maybe we can go uh, kind of around the table here and just brief reactions. Prop, what do you think about Josh Harris's reason for explaining for why he wanted to leave the church? Yeah. If I'm going to just take only what he's saying that one minute, I just listened to like, so yeah. just that's the caveat. Only what you just said. Yeah. Like I don't know his heart. I don't know his wife. I don't know the situation. I don't know what he's not telling us. Right. So I think I like that answer was super hard to follow to me because it just sounded to me like, oh, you just ratchet. You know what I'm saying? Like if you just if you just ratchet, like I don't understand. So rather than saying I want to, what you just basically said is just I just want to be ratchet. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, that's fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, yeah, I mean, are yeah. so to me, it's like to do this whole like. Like I said, only that moment, like his idea of like being like from the from the from the Instagram passage or Instagram caption to be like, man, I just don't hold to these views anymore. To me is like, OK, that I could I understand that. Like, that's why you're like, dog, I just I can't I can't seem to reconcile these two things, you know. Um, but, yeah, he's expressing this sort of like moral standard that I would argue is like a very skinny um, almost an emaciated version of the Christianity, of yeah, Christianity yeah. You know saying, yeah. which is like, so to me, it's like what you're, I mean, this again, just listening to him, I'm like, no, you're abandoning a toxic version of evangelicalism. Like, exactly. not, 
it's like you're not walking away from the faith. You're walking away from your version of it. You know what I mean? And it's almost like, well, nobody's ever shown you there's other ways. You know what I mean? Um, and again, given given justice statement. But it sounds to me like, man, you just use ratchet. That's like, OK, you wild it like, all right, join yeah. the club. You know what I'm like, well, that, that's the thing. I mean, it, it, I guess it kind of like it, it shows like you were saying, prop like I, his version of Christianity almost reduces it down to this moral standard. That's yeah. like, I don't know if that's the point of this whole thing is to say yeah. either you can live like this or you can't. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, that sounded to me like you just got you just got bad theology. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. J- J.D. Huck, you guys both have seminary backgrounds uh, and, and, and are friends with a lot of people who are. Uh, were trained for professional ministry and probably have gone a lot of different ways. How common do you think this view is that I'm either going to get out of ministry or I'm going to get out of the faith altogether, not because I don't believe, but because I don't know if living to a certain moral standard is reasonable? I think in my experience, um, it's it's actually fairly common. And I think part of it has to do with, um, to different levels, like different degrees, there's that amount of like celebrityism that is cast upon yeah. leaders, and and it, it, if you're in a small town, it can just be like the local pastor. If you're you know if you're mm-hmm. national or a, or an author, all of a sudden we tend to as a society um, cast a lot of responsibility upon them, um, and upon even like celebrities that come out. And you know, have say they've converted to the faith. We've cast a lot of responsibility and a lot yeah. of um, weight upon their words. And when they start to actually feel the weight of that responsibility, it almost becomes too much to bear. And so, yeah. there's a point in which you start to look at the very serious, um, you know, like it's tricky, right? Because Jesus and his ministry was very much an arms open personality, right? He very much went to the least of these and, and, and sought out um, the people that needed the help the most and, and went to them, but he, he didn't necessarily leave them exactly where they were either. He, he definitely through, through love and encouragement, definitely called them to something higher. But I think with, when you combine those, that kind of language with this, you know, unbiblical level of responsibility that we've placed on these leaders and, and things, I think it can just become overbearing and it can become too, mm-hmm. too heavy. And um, I think prop, like you were saying, I mean, when, when this is the only version of Christianity that you've been exposed to, yeah, um, it, you don't have any other, other language for it or any way to, to know how to reconcile. And unfortunately what happens is when people start to walk through this type of deconstruction, they tend to do it outside of any kind of community, which can become very dangerous because then yeah. you become the own arbiter, your own arbiter of your own truth. And you become this like isolated like individual. Um, and you don't listen to the wisdom of the people around you and, and these kind of things. It can just lead to a very, dark place I feel like um emotionally and spiritually um and so I I just like I understand where he's coming from why he maybe thinks that this is what he has to do right now and maybe it is maybe he needs to like fully step away from the Christianity that he understands to find some to find a, a different version of it but I it is tough to be like well I wasn't able to be perfect so therefore I'm not involved in Christianity and I think that's like the, one of the main tenets is like, no, 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 no. Like, 
Like it's not about being perfect and it's yeah. not about, you just been, yeah, you've been under some bad teaching. That's what right. it sounds like to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think that's, it's sad that a guy going through all this stuff in his personal life and having to reconcile maybe some of the things that he's done in the past, um, unfortunately doesn't yeah. seem to have the right people around him to, uh, kind of mentor him well or pastor him well or whatever. With that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Scott Avett will join us. Making time and losing grip Driving circles in the canyons of my mind You're listening to High Steppin' by our guest, the Avett Brothers. Well, Scott Avett is a singer-songwriter for the folk pop outfit, the Avett Brothers, who are currently on a massive tour in support of their latest album, Closer Than Together. I recently spoke with Scott about the album, his views on hope, and why the band has gotten more quote-unquote political recent years. So the first thing I wanted to know from Scott is, uh, as you you can read on Instagram, he and his brother posted a manifesto for this new album, Closer yeah. Than Together, this uh, pretty long uh, sort of, uh, I guess, statement on why they decided to do an album that had a little more socio-political commentary yeah. than most David Brothers albums do. Th- that was something notable to me about this particular record. I mean, there, you know, at different points they're seeing about gun violence and things like that, stuff that we <laughs> yeah, haven't really exactly. seen from the David Brothers before. Yeah, they're one of these folksy bands that, that, that you just think about love and loss and God and life and, yeah. and stuff like that. And they've, I've always liked them, but I haven't really thought of them as like a hot take band. And they made it very clear in the statement, even this manifesto, that they will never do a political album. But I believe the quote in the manifesto was, if we did, it would sound something like this. So I asked Scott a little to unpack that a little bit for me. And here's what he said. There were, you know, there's individual, um, individuals would have uh, maybe asked, hey, what do you have to say about this? Or mm-hmm. you should say this, or you should help me do this. Um, well, if that's natural and that's right, then of course, you know, you do it right. But what, what this album is and what all of our albums have been is our personal relationship, our personal experience, but ultimately our relationship with the world, uh, with our world, which at times is very small and at times is, is quite expanded. Mm-hmm. And, the issues that would, um, I think, lend lend themselves to sounding, quote unquote, social, socially, uh, social political, or uh, political in any way, um, they're they're about our personal feelings about our experience and our relationship with them. Um, so I, I think that's the best way to put it. I think overall as well, our our intent. And our most important job is to contribute through um, loving and unifying versus dividing anybody. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't want anything to do. We don't really understand the need to divide. Um, we understand the need to defend ourselves and defend uh, those who can't be you know defended. And everybody's got a different definition of that. Sure. But for us, we just try to stay true and talk about the things that we we understand. And the only thing we understand is our per- personal relationship with with the world. That's such an interesting clip, Tyler, because 
I remember last year I interviewed a filmmaker named Michael Bonfiglio who uh-huh. directed a documentary about the Avett brothers called May at Last that was produced by Judd Apatow oh, right. for, for HBO. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I ran the interview. People can go find it. It's on the website. And I was talking to him about the appeal of the Avett brothers. And it kind of boils down to that idea that, uh, you know, Seth is, is, is describing there that you, Scott, oh, I'm sorry, Scott. that Scott is uh, Seth is the other Avet brother in the brothers band title. Yeah, it, it's 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 confusing. Yeah. But but how their music brings you into, uh, you know, this degree of intimacy with the mm-hmm. subject matter of what they're writing about. So whether they're writing about God, mm-hmm. whether they're writing about love, you know, their last album dealt with, you know, addiction and divorce. And, you know, it's not from a 30,000 foot view. It's from a 30 mm-hmm. foot view. It's their relationship with these. And you enter into like this degree of intimacy with the subject matter with the Avet brothers that d- makes topics not feel preachy, but feel very, very close. And I feel like that's part of the appeal of some of their music. Well, it's between them and somebody like, say, uh, Rage Against the Machine, right? Who are who do exclusively political albums, but you wouldn't say they're they're deeply personal or anything like that, yeah. right? You wouldn't say that that comes from an intimate place. I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but the Avid Brothers are definitely doing their own thing. Yeah, for sure. With this album, and, and so I, one thing that I was really interested in that he said in that answer there is how important it was for them. To uh, to create unity, to not drive people apart, but to bring to do unity, and I think something that we all struggle with, sort of in our current uh, our present moment, is that it can feel hard to stay true to your values without creating a little bit of disunity. Yeah. Like sometimes you feel like you have to take a side, and that side is going to push people away from you, whether that's a political issue, a social issue, even a religious issue. Uh, I think it can be hard to know how to, as important as unity is, to know how to do that without sacrificing your personal integrity. So I asked him about that, and I, I really admired the thoughtfulness of his response. Everybody's just getting along doesn't necessarily reflect unification. Um, What I'm, what I believe is that, and I don't know that, I don't know how you would argue this. We're all part of the human race. Is that, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's correct. Mm -hmm. We all live on the same planet. We, and in that respect, you could say metaphorically, or you could say directly, we're part of one body period. Mm -hmm. And those, that body has a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. It has a lot of gifts as well. Um, and I can't, you know, we can't go around telling other people, um, anything except here's what we, here's what we're, here's who we are and here's what we're we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's all. You know what I'm saying? Well, we can't, I I don't know how to, uh, there's certainly things that I think are wrong for sure. (laughs) And there are things I'd like to see better, tons of them, infinite, you know, but Mm, I guess that starts with me. Again, that's such a, a, an interesting idea about what, like you're saying, Tyler, uh, unity, because if, I mean, the Avet brothers have been open in the past about their ideas about faith and spirituality, but obviously there's a, yeah. a pretty direct tie in to what his idea is sort of about. Well, we're all the commonality we all share is we're all people. And so even if you think one thing or another, we're, we're still people. But I mean, when he says we're all part of this kind of one body, I mean, obviously, as like Christians, we relate that to the church. And that, Clearly a spiritual reference. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, there are people within the church that are a part of the body of Christ that, that claim to be Christian that probably think wildly different 
on issues than, than you or I think, you know? And so mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate them trying to speak to that tension of like, well, how do I maintain this sort of body ship for a lack of a better word, uh, you know, with someone who I disagree with adamantly, you know? And I think it, that comes down to frequently for us who are who, who are in the church. A lot of times we're not very good at that. Somebody else will recount to us their experience, like um, a person who's saying that that racism is still a very real thing in the country, for example, or that they feel that they're they've been sort of left behind by a lot of uh, uh, some like economic trends. And we say, well, no, you haven't, or no, you're just being lazy, or you're making that up. You know, we don't we don't accept other people's experience like he's talking about here and saying we don't we don't take other people's word for it when they relate their own life story and i think that that's a really good reminder but it's an exercise it's something you have to work at it doesn't come naturally to us to to do that um and i I was curious if some of his thoughts on all of this had been uh, sort of challenged or maybe even strengthened by the fact that these guys are at their core a touring band. They're on the road all the time. So they get a chance to go around a lot and see a lot of the different people, a lot of the different groups that they're referring to here. Uh, And he said that it has, and and here's how that's happened. I think it has enhanced one of the biggest, like going on our first tour in 2002, traveling around the North and then over to Chicago and out to the Midwest and learning about uh, like learning true geography of of the East and Midwest, the East Coast and Midwest mm-hmm. in a full scope was instantly like like a boom. Like wait a second, um, just wait a second. We're we're there's no difference. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's no difference. Yeah. The differences are all fabricated by us, but in the real in the real like at the core of things, there's the same things happening here. You know, this guy in, in, I went in to buy hairspray at, at a, at a, uh, at a salon in New York. It was a barbershop basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could have been in, in Mayberry, you know, <laughs> it was the sweetest, you know, and, and you realize that some people think that that's impossible. Mm-hmm. They, they will tell you, no, they'll say, or they'll, they'll give you a, a quote like this. No people in New York do this. No people in the South do this. People in, in Mayberry do this and blah, blah, blah. It's it's ludicrous. Hmm. You know, that is an interesting perspective, as like you said, someone as someone, Tyler, like you mentioned, that's been on the road for most of their adult life touring the country Mm -hmm. and touring the world. It's like, yeah, you go to some of these places and I think especially for us in media. You know, like there's a oh, common yeah. thread of like, well, there's the East Coast elites and then there are people, yeah. you know, the liberals, where it's like, yeah. look, man, if you spend any time actually talking to people, it's like, oh, yeah, there's probably a lot more that we have in common than, than that we have different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something that that especially there their album, their music, the fact that they are taking what I think we could all agree is a very like uh, kind of down home, uh, a lot of blue collar appeal to the Avett brothers, uh, very folksy. They, they come from the South. They're very proud of that. Uh, but also talking about, I, I would say, whatever you think the Avett brothers uh, political statements might be based on their like aesthetic, you might end up uh, being a little surprised once you dig into it, which I would encourage you to do. It's a very good album. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. I can't wait to see them on tour. We've talked about them on here before, but they put on a really, really strong show. I love watching these guys in concert. Uh, So I hope you get the chance to, uh, 
to check them all out and uh, also to check out the new record. Also, a little, uh, this might not come as a surprise, but the folks in France love the Avet Brothers. Really? They come up a lot over here. Yeah, there's a there's a, a lot of a lot of those like folksy Americana bands still very hot in France. Still a lot of a lot of love for them. I, I, I want to ask about that real quick, because obviously, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people in in all over the world that are bilingual and know English or at least know. Oh, sure. But it, I mean, that's not a barrier for them. Like, even though any and even a lot of the references, particularly in like the Avet Brothers or the Americana genre in general, it seems pretty uh specific but that's not a barrier for for fans in france you know people in paris have quite a bit of english almost if if i didn't know any french and i don't know very much french at all but if i didn't know any at all i could still get around just fine yeah i would say anybody under like 40 or so has a pretty good handle uh, that I've talked to here on the English language. Not for too much of a diversion, but real quick, because you're about to, as listeners know, you've been in uh, Paris for several months now. You're getting ready That's to right. come home. I do have yeah, a question. Just a couple days. What, you know, what, what American artists seem to be the most popular among uh, Ooh, your Parisian they- neighbors there? Well, there were a lot, the people that we talked to, and I don't want to, you know, I've only, I've, I've met a pretty slim percentage of the Paris population over here. So I won't speak for everybody, but I would say that the, that the people we've talked to uh, very big fans of that, like acoustic kind of like uh, bluesy stompy. Oh, Hey, seat. Yeah. I shared about this on Twitter, but we uh, introduced two friends of ours uh, who we met here. Uh, We, we all took a day trip out a little road trip to to go see some of the French countryside. And we introduced them to that uh, old Crow Medicine show song, Wagon Wheel. Yeah, yeah. Rock me it. They proceeded to listen to it five times in a row. I am not exaggerating. Don't ever. over and over. I I feel like if you ever let them hear like Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros like home. Oh, I'm sure it's a, yeah. yeah, yeah, That's just another kind of one of those, you know, foot stomping, you know, gang vocal, you know, kind of folksy types of things. So that's interesting. Well, I'm glad that that's a big one. Yeah. Journey. Journey is also a very, uh, a very hot commodity over here. People love Journey. And I think, and I think there's an assumption that I haven't been able to correct here that because we're American, we also love Journey. Like <laughs> but some on, of the it's people, a, it's some a of non-ironic. the bartenders and restaurants, that's very non-ironic. <laughs> like when I walked in, like some of the places that I've like that I've frequented here, when I walk in, they turn on Journey. Like, oh, the Americans here and they turn on Don't Stop believe in i really don't have the heart to sell them i don't really like the song very much so i just kind of like yeah here i am and then when i walk out they play it again like well i, I got a chance i got free tickets to a journey concert a couple years ago I, okay. obviously yeah. it's steve perry free journey but the lead right, singer right. they have yeah. now that guy who was on like a yeah i think they found him on youtube sounds just like him yeah and i'll I say this the, the clips yeah i'll say this Journey still puts on a heck of a show, whether you're in Paris or America. <laughs> Journey is the world's last universal language. It's the the language of uh, you travel. know of never stop believing. So travel, traveling yeah. well, well, whether it's Journey or Edward Sharp or the Avet Brothers, uh, I'm glad to see that they're keeping that genre, uh, that thread of American music alive. Uh, and thanks a lot to Scott Evett for talking to us. It was a really it was a really good conversation, and there is a lot more of it, which you'll be able to read very soon. That was Scott Avitt. Next up, Ask the Cast. There are over a million children trapped in the darkness of sexual slavery. 
Destiny Rescue is a Christian-based organization dedicated to rescuing these kids and helping them stay free. Girls like Tala, who once was a worship leader, became trapped and sold for sex. All seemed hopeless, yet she still prayed for a way out. Then one night, she was found by a Destiny Rescue agent. Our rescue agents are relentlessly seeking, finding, and rescuing brave individuals around the world through a variety of rescue tactics. We help survivors let go of traumatic past through individual aftercare plans and empower them to live out their God-given destinies. Today, Tala is going to college and getting a communications degree. She is earning a safe living and has even returned as a worship leader in her church. She has found hope, worth, and restoration in the light of Jesus Christ. You can be a light and reach the next child waiting in the darkness at destinyrescue.org. You're listening to Don't Go Wasting Time. That's by Alfie Templeman. Speaking of don't go wasting time, we are going to try not to waste too much time. We're running a little long today, but we are going to do one or two Ask the Cast uh, pieces. Ask the Cast is, of course, where we ask you on Twitter to send us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. Here is just a couple Ask the Cast that you all sent us. Uh, I do want y'all's thoughts on this one. This comes from Jess on Twitter. She said, my boyfriend and I are in the process of creating a relationship contract. What should we definitely include? Hold on. If I can answer that question with a question. Yes. What is a relationship? Are you are you dating the like the Prince of Wales or something? (laughs) Like who has why is there a contract involved here? Do the celebs do do this now? Like I don't understand. Have any of you guys Chandler, you know, you're uh, JD Tyler uh, uh, and I are all all we're all married men. You're out on the dating scene. Uh Um how many relationship <laughs> contracts have you entered into with with the young ladies who uh, you get the privilege of having a dinner out with you? Uh, none yet, but I'm going to draft one up as soon as we get off. What would this. be? I, Good idea. That's a great this whole concept. Yeah, are they like legally binding? <laughs> Is this like What's an early the, prenup or something like that? It's yeah. like before you. Like you will pay for yeah, dinner. Yeah. You will pay. Yes. Yeah, I, Jess on Twitter, uh, you know, we're going to follow up in the DMs and we're going to have you on to discuss what even the concept of a relationship contract <laughs> is, because I'm yeah. very fascinated by it. And anytime we can get legal documents involved <laughs> in relational <laughs> transactions that require none, I'm all for it. I am all for things in writing with legal ramifications like you owe me what it, what is in the contract. You owe me like two dates a week. Like we get to, you got to return my text within an hour. Like contractually, what are you obligating this person to? I'm very like who pays? Surely who pays on there? You know, and then like maybe how you treat the family. Like, That's just so some, weird. Like do's and like, don't's when you when you go over to meet the parents. I feel like are you, if uh, you need you a contract, tire? are you going to be able to change a broken headlight? <laughs> That's contractually you're obligated. If we're dating, and my headlight breaks, go on YouTube, figure it out. <laughs> and under what circumstances do you bust out the contract and be like, uh, 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 under clause three, sub, subheading C, <laughs> yeah. you'll see here that My we specifically agreed. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I could not make it more clear. This man signed a contract. He knew what he was in for. And he does not know how to change a tire. He said That's he says not. on paper he knew how to change a tire. I'm also curious about the time link, like the time terms of the contract. Is it like a is it like a weekly contract, monthly? Is it auto renewing, or do you That's get to all? Oh yeah, 
as as my Is it attorney, dissolved with the breakup. Yeah, as yeah. my attorney, Lowell the Hammer Stanley will remind you, <laughs> we are going out on dates on Valentine's night and on the Friday night that week. It is in the contract. And also, I was in a minor fender bender, and he got me a pretty good little settlement. So <laughs> you you make the determination. But part of that settlement was you got to fix the headlight because I did break it in the fender yeah. bender. So yeah. there we go. I, uh, yeah. What happens if like uh, you break up, but yet you still have like three more weeks left on the contract? Do you still have no, to like it. fulfill the contract? I think it's void at that point. I mean, I don't know. Probably not. Who knows? I would, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope. I hope that's in the contract. Make sure yeah. you put that in there. But uh, it ends okay. with the dissolute, with the dissolving of the relationship. All right, uh, let's I see one more. All the time we got. Yeah, let's let's see well, one, let's more. See one more. Maybe handle the rest on Friday because we got a big show coming up. Uh, Friday, I like but that. I yeah, I like that. All right, yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. Okay. All right, all right. So here's here. So here's a good one. Um, Frank said he just accepted the position to be the king pastor at his church. Congratulations, Frank. That's a that's a cool opportunity. He says he was the youth pastor. What can he do to make sure he starts off well? So an upgrade from youth pastor to campus pastor, how can you start off well? I think, I think <laughs> contrast with the congregation right away and make them put it right. Yeah. They're not going to go to some other campus. Nope. They're, they are going to turn a blind eye to his youth group pastor days uh, antics like stealing Fresh wizard start. rocks. Um, <laughs> <the first day. laughs> they will, uh, you know, uh, they will promise not to be overly critical of him and they will, I I'm thinking of, you know, he's new campus pastor. I'm thinking bi-monthly love offerings, <laughs> which by the way, I'd love the term love offering when anytime the pastor's like, we're doing, this isn't, this isn't an offering. No one's obligated here. This isn't tithing. This is all about the love. Do you love? Because we're doing a love offering. Yeah. Do you, do you love God? Mm. Here comes the offering. Yeah, here, right. here anyway. Comes. Yep. All right, Frank. I hope that I think basically, Frank, just keep doing the same thing, the yeah. same, the same stupid food games yep. that you did for the youth group. The the, the same the sardines and yeah. You know what's wrong yeah. with normal church is that it's not like youth group the enough. Adults love those too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And make, make, make them contractually obligated to laugh at your jokes. Yeah, and you're not, that, that not like those punk teenagers. <laughs> there were a lot of good. There, there were a lot of good questions. We'll come back to them. We're running too long, but we'll, we'll come back to. Them. We'll do a few more on the episode later this week. But I think with that, we do have to wrap things up. Hey, many thanks to Scott Avet and the Avet brothers for joining us this week. Love hearing from those guys. Closer than together is out now. They're also on tour. Make sure you check them out if you get a chance to. Also. Relevant Daily is a podcast that I bring uh, every Monday through Friday. We check out some of the best stories of the day at the intersection of faith and culture uh, for you to subscribe to that. And also, don't forget about our new podcast for church leaders called called uh, has some like fascinating, really good conversations with uh, leaders from the church world talking about church leadership and what the church needs to look like moving forward. If you subscribe to that and give it a listen, I do not think you'll regret it. Some fascinating content coming from there. And with that, I think we are going to wrap things up. I'm Tyler Huckabee. I'm Chandler Shrink. Jesse Carey. John David Harris. I'm Propaganda. We will see you all next time. Have a great week, everybody. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. 
And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I always thought boulders were kind of a finder's keeper situation, but I'm glad they did the right thing. I'm glad the wizard who took it did the right thing. Relevant Podcast Network.